The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, midweek edition. Excited Brad Edwards going to join us. Mike Babcock will tell us about the time he was pumping iron in the Husker weight room. Good stuff from Babbers. Mike Shuhart, Shuey, Wilderness Ridge Golf. So we're loaded up. Can join us today, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Can email chris at hailvarsity.com and always give us a follow on Twitter. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, get the uh, Hail Varsity and ESPN Lincoln Twitter handles also Followed Before we dive into Ryan Held's chat last night with the Husker Network and where the running back room is at, I got to ask you, Elijah Herbal, my man. I know where this is going. Yes, you do. <laughs> what the hell's growing on your face? You this little mustache? The, the mustache. I mean, I think you suggested it on Saturday. I, I did, think. but I did it because it was going to be creepy. <laughs> All you need is like a windowless ice cream truck and you fit the bill you wouldn't believe it i was actually supposed to umpire last night and my game got and then canceled told you to leave because there were children on the field well that's i mean like that's probably part of it i'm sure um your game got canceled weather or what uh apparently one of my teams i was supposed to umpire couldn't feel the team quote unquote i'm not sure if i scared them off in covid the or, lot what? or what i'm not sure unclear uh, was not told. That's above you my pay grade. You were just told to go home. <laughs> I was just please, t- please leave the field. Yeah, I don't think they thought it was an umpire. Like, they were like, whoa, like, yeah, you can't so be around we, here. We are in the height <laughs> of mask shaming, but now we, we have our first case of mustache shaming. Well, that's why I, I, I'm doing the mustache now is because who's going to be able to see it? It's always going to be covered in the mask. That's true. So you, you got a mask up behind the plate. No, not behind the plate. That's, that's my one little time i can't but anywhere else i go okay you know well, yeah no i i hear you no I, one can judge me with a mustache i get you so you have got it's filling in there's no you know black ink or marker or just for men gray away deal going on <laughs> i mean you're you're young enough that it's filling in all right yeah we'll, we'll see how long it lasts i'm not sure do you hate it um I don't hate it, no, looking at it. I, I mean, listen, I'm giving you garbage. I mean, you do you. If you it, wanna... It's the ladies. I'm not sure if they're they're going to be a fan of it, but at well, the same have, time. Have they been beating your door down prior to the mustache? No, and they haven't started in the past 24 hours. So. Okay. Well, you, you keep it rolling. Now, I would say this. If we're just going to go all in with the mustache, and I think I could grow one. I could never grow the Magnum P.I. Steve Schmidt 
like mustache that was prevalent in the 80s. I, I couldn't look good in one, but I could probably grow one. I don't know if it, yeah, if, if I go a couple of days, I look like my, my facial hair is as white as Santa's, which sucks. But uh, yeah, so there you go. But no, I, I would go Doc Holliday. Mm. See, look. I was, I was kind of going Johnny Depp almost because he doesn't have the, the fully filled in mustache either. Mine's not perfect. I don't think it looks super patchy. No, it's not patchy by any means. It's just not. Are like, you going Donnie Brasco, Johnny Depp before the mob made him shave it? Uh, I don't know if I've seen that movie. You need to see that movie. I mean, for the for the Husker fans out there, maybe a little more Wester Camp. Okay, okay, it's got some Wester Camp. Wester Sash. Okay, fine. Good, good comparison. I think yeah, you can do that. But the the Tombstone movie with with uh, Doc Holliday. With Doc Holliday. I've seen the whole thing. I've seen. I think I saw it on uh, an AMC one day right, or something. Right, right, like because it's always on AMC, and I would go, I would go uh, more uh, Arizona late eighteen eighties look with it. Yeah, maybe I can get the ends long enough. I can kind of curl them. See, if you want to go Raleigh, that's you. That's me. That that is upkeep, my I, friend. I don't think I'm gonna gonna leave it that long. This seems like a, a short term solution. I got to go visit some family next week. I'm not sure if I want to <laughs> frighten them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's get into uh, Ryan Held, Nebraska football, the running back room. So Ryan Held's pretty optimistic. He feels pretty – and Held's a guy that's never going to be satisfied with with his position group. Held's an ace recruiter. Held's a really good evaluator of talent. And he's been at all different levels. He's been a head coach before in the JUCO ranks. So Held has Nebraska covered not only in the relationship development, but Held has Nebraska covered when it comes to being a, a tireless recruiter. And Held's a guy that that will and has chipped in on different position groups. It's not just a running back room for him. And you need a staff full of them. Greg Austin does a great job. Uh, of course, Coach Fisher does a great job. Coach Lubick's been... Pretty big time. Barrett Rood's done a lot of work. Uh, Dawson likes reaching out to his East Coast connection. So I think Nebraska's got a really good staff, and, and, and Scott Frost understands and really likes recruiting. At least if he doesn't like it, he's doing a hell of a job uh, with with the, the production level of, of not liking it. And I think he likes it. I think all those guys, uh, it's in your blood. You like to go pitch a program. You like to go get a kid. And you want to go get a kid that's a fit for your system, a fit for your culture. And you want to go get a kid that, that can go play ball. You want to be right. And it's, it's also a competitive thing. I mean, don't kid yourself with coaching staffs. You have enough of them. I mean, you, you knew that, at Nebraska back in the day, Coach Solich, Coach Darlington, and Jack Pierce were going to kick ass and take names on the recruiting tail the tra- uh, trail. They did. They always. They always did. And it was it was a source of pride for those guys. And and you had Tony Samuel. You, you had a bunch of dudes. Ron Brown. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal staff for Coach Osborne, and then the ultimate closer in Coach Osborne. It just it just stockpiles that depth, that talent, that ability to develop, and you're just it looks like you're plugging and playing. And in all honesty, if you hit on half, you're killing it. 
and then you need to figure out a way to supplement guys that either can't transition, get hurt, don't make grades, or just don't project like you think they can, based from high school to college. So with what Nebraska is doing, they were they were bare bones, brother, last year at running back. We know this, and it's it's a good thing Coach Held found Diedrich Mills. It's a good thing that Nebraska was able to continue to develop, and a guy like Divino Zigbo continued to work hard. I mean, we were excited about how the 2018 season finished, we being folks who followed the program and then the Nebraska fan base. Oh wow! Look at look at what look at what happened with the O line and Ozigbo. Look how that four and two finish felt. Look what it projected into springboard wise, and then you got Mills, who really it took time because it, it was his skill set fits what Nebraska wants to do, but it wasn't familiar, right? The spread offense wasn't a familiar offense for. A guy like Mills. I mean, he played fullback in an option offense at Georgia Tech. You saw him kill Ohio State with some quick hitters out of the I formation. And and then you saw him just kind of run downhill in at the, at the JUCO level. Well, the way that, that Mills finished things, that is great. That is great to come back with for 2020 when we get football season, if we get football season. Because Mills gets the offense, gets it now. And has, has embraced that leadership role in that in the clubhouse per Coach Held's interview last night. So Mills is chopping at the bit to get going. And then you've got some young pups that you saw, specifically Ramir Johnson last year. And the reports on Ramir Johnson, the guy's added 10 pounds of muscle. He's gotten a lot stronger. And I, apparently he had a growing issue that was kind of hampering him. So I don't think we saw the true Ramir in that quick snapshot four-game uh, redshirt window. And I remember Ramir, and the guy got, I think, 20-some carries against Maryland. And and he went down quite a bit after the first hit. You saw some some bursts. You saw the athleticism. I really uh, like New Jersey running backs when you look at – what Georgia has done in the past with Jersey backs or even Nebraska has done with New Jersey or, or northeastern part of the country running backs. And you think of Rogier and you, you think of Doug DeBose specifically. Ramir Johnson, what can he become? He's put the work in. Ronald Tompkins is a proclaimed X factor by Coach Held. And he's a guy that they've got to use I don't want to say sparingly, but cautiously, just because it sounds like the guy's still busting his butt to get back from from what was just a horrific knee injury in high school. But pre-injury, the guy's incredible. Got all the traits, the size, the speed, the toughness, the talent to to be a a big-time back, and he could continue to grow into that. But you got Marvin Scott and Savion Morrison. Those are two guys that Held spent a lot of time on last night, and and I'm excited about him. I really enjoyed Derek Peterson's preview and the recruiting issue on Morrison, a kid out of Tulsa. Spencer Tillman, the, uh, the CBS sports analyst and uh, great back in uh, the NFL and, and former Sooner. Uh, he's kind of wowed by the kid. But you look at Marvin Scott, and, and Nebraska football fans have been freaking out with some of the footage Coach Duvall's been posting of the weight room, and one of those, you know, thirty-second snippets is 
this man child that's that's a true freshman and you look at Scott's size and you've got a couple of really good ones and, and this sticks with me. This isn't overhyping or overselling, but when Held tells me he can't count how many backs that, that he scouted and these are his two favorites. There's, you know, a couple of national guys that probably ended up at Bama or Ohio State that you're you're not going to get SC. Okay, I mean, just you've got your five star dudes. There's a handful of those backs that'll go to the top three or four programs. They just do. Okay, and Nebraska always ends up getting those guys when they're on their peak, when they're on their their double digit. Let's go to a New Year's Day bowl type settings that guys either want or they're overlooked. And I'm thinking of a Lawrence Phillips. You know, it came down to USC and Nebraska. And, and Phillips is a guy that Nebraska was, was in on early and often, and there was really not a shot for anyone else to kind of swoop in and get Lawrence. But I look at, you know, Nebraska and Held and what they have. Scott's a guy that, that comes in. Stronger, faster, a little bit bigger than a lot of freshmen. So if we get football, he's a guy you could see play. And from a from a development standpoint, it's not that we won't see anything from Morrison. But Held said that he's a guy. He's got the potential to, to be a two hundred twenty pound back, but he's got like track speed. So you get that size and speed combination. Nebraska's running back room had one dude to lean on last year in Mills. And now you have the options of, all right, who's, who's coming with Mills to have a really good season? Does Ramir make that jump? Does Thompson stay healthy? Tompkins, excuse me. Does Tompkins stay healthy? What do you get from, from uh, a Morrison? Okay. What do you get from a Scott early on? But to have that rotation and not ask Wandale to have to carry it 100 times, but kind of sprinkle in some touches from him in the backfield, that could be good. And, and Nebraska's done a, a real 180 in their running back room, and they want to be a running football team. You have five starters back on the offensive line. Don't make it all be on Adrian or whoever's at quarterback. But you got Mills and the rest of the crew. I think this is something to be excited for if you're Nebraska football. Not only just Mills picking up where he left off, but uh, the two young pups that are freshmen and guys that got a taste, specifically Johnson from Jersey uh, in those four games, he's adapting to what he knows his, he needs his body to be like in, in the Big Ten with his, with his quickness and ability to, to hopefully catch the football and run it. Hey, some really nice options. Uh, you see the NFL, specifically New England, right, where they've got a back to, to go to work on your defense. Is it a James White day? Is it a big back, let's pound away day? Uh, who is the Oregon guy that Scott Frost wrestled uh, against Boise? You know who I'm talking about. That, oh, yeah, I do. Right. The point is, is he was a, he was a thumper back. And then you got Rexy that can kind of do it all. New England's got a back for your defense. Nebraska's got an option, they, they hope, in the room with Mills, with Johnson, with Tompkins, and then with one of the, the, the freshmen that come in. And that's how Nebraska's going to win football games in 2020 through running the football. I, mean, I think back to 2018 with two backs, Devine Zigbo, Maurice Washington, where every other drive, those two guys were, they were flipping in and out. Where one drive was Devine, one drive it was Maurice Washington. You only had two backs that season. Last year you could see how much 
it was a struggle to just have that the one back. And, and when Mo was and when Mo was on and and Mo ran his butt off against Illinois before getting dinged, and you saw Mo against Colorado. When when Mo was like locked in, he was a difference maker. The, the, the running game was completely different. Whenever you had those two different backs, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I mean, I'm looking at this season. I'm thinking there could be three or four guys here who have done enough to get touches, mm-hmm. especially in Mills. You look at uh, Marvin Scott who to me reminds me of a Maurice Jones-Drew, Doug Martin type, Okay, where he, he's low to the ground, low center of gravity, he's, and he's just a wrecking ball. You, you look, we watch his high school tape, he, he'll run through the tackles, be a wrecking ball, well, and, 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 he's, and then he'll out, uh, outrace you too. And, and yeah, and he's not slow. I mean, that they, they, you know, Held's talking quick twitch, right? And you give me a guy that can go be a beast between the tackles with the quick twitch ability, that's nice. That's well done by Nebraska. And you just got to be able to see it and get onto the field. We'll take some of your calls here. We uh, are going to chat with Mike Babcock coming up. Babbers will check in. We'll talk uh, some, some more Nebraska football, maybe sneak in some Husker baseball. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mike Babcock momentarily. Get to your phones here in just a second. 466-3776-800-825-5865. And uh, I want to remind you what's happening down in the rail yard. It'll be pretty cool. As got a uh, event in the rail yard happening the 8th of August and the 29th of August to tell you about. You can log on to railyard.com. The taste of the rail yard. Enjoy free samples from local breweries and wineries. And uh, Nebraska is home to so many local breweries and wineries. Difficult to try them all. So you can get in there and do that on August 8th and 29th in the rail yard. And uh, it is fantastic. Ten bucks. And uh, that's what it's going to cost you to get in. Get your tickets. Uh, log on to railyard.com. Limited quantities. So please. <laughs> Get your uh, get your seats today for Taste of the Rail Yard. So uh, think about doing that August 8th and, uh, of course, the 29th. Going to be music as you can sip on those samples from local breweries and wineries. Lemon Fresh Day on August 8th. Shoot to Thrill on August 29th. So there you have that. Put it down on your calendar here next month. And go be outside, be socially distanced, and enjoy your uh, time outdoors with the rail yard and a chance to sip some uh, wine and brew from the great local folks here in the state of Nebraska. So coming up, Mike Shuhart will be with us, Brad Edwards, and a lot of NFL to get into. Hey, Elijah, try the cell. That's the word from the Babbers hotline. Try the cell phone. We'll get a hold of Babbers in a moment, but anxious to get his take on the running back room. And if you haven't checked out, each week, HaleVarsity.com does the mailbag. And the mailbag is something that's great. Uh, Per Twitter, you are able to submit questions, comments, thoughts, concerns related to, to Nebraska athletics. And so many questions here, like how many games does Nebraska get in in 2020? I will grab my Magic 8 ball, and I will grab my Crystal Ball and say eight games. But we say hi to Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Babbers, uh, there's been a lot of reaction uh, 
to the videos being posted by Coach Duvall and the uh, the workouts that are going on, I need the story from you about the time Boyd Epley offered you and some of your friends at the Journal Star to uh, be a part of Husker Bauer. Power, can you enlighten me? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the way I remember it. This has been a long time ago, so I may be putting the pieces together wrong in this puzzle, but um, <laughs> uh, my re- and again, it's a long time ago, but my recollection was that uh, I was writing for the Journal of the Star, and Boyd Epley, it was early in the season, and we were talking to Boyd Epley one day, and he said, hey, you know, if you guys would like to get on some sort of a modified program, he said, I'll set you up. Uh, and we thought, well, that's pretty good, because I think we were screwing around in the weight room or something, <laughs> waiting for him. So anyway, he, he gets us uh, uh, each a uh, uh, maybe we probably shared a locker, but it, it was in the coaches' area. There were a lot of empty lockers around there, so he gets us a locker and he says, "Okay, um, you know, get get ready, and we'll uh, have kind of a little uh, workout routine set up for you guys." And I, my recollection was we did it for about two days, and he just got frustrated and said, "Okay, well, if you guys want to do something, you can, but." Uh, you know, I got more important things to do. I think he just got frustrated right away with, uh, probably with me mostly, but uh, um, the three of us. So uh, it was a very short-lived involvement in the workout program for sports writers designed by, by Boyd Epley. What was he having you do? Well, uh, I remember we, we, we uh, it seems like we did some kind of a lifting thing, and then there was also a, uh, like a bike work, but the, the tension was increased to such a point that I think I could hardly pedal the bicycle. Uh, not and, laugh, uh, I'm not laughing was, at you. I'm just, I can imagine. <laughs> no, no, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. I got to admit. And, I, and, and again, my recollection may be faulty here, but even what little we did, I just remember being wiped out. You know, it's like, my gosh, I couldn't even do the bicycle thing uh, hardly. And I, I was just, I was wiped out when I was done. So it wasn't like there was a huge disappointment when he said, you know what, let's call it good here. I got more important things to do. I wasn't upset about it at all. Well, I can only imagine. I You talked to, to players, I remember last year with Coach Duvall's set up and, and the 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 rack as it's called that that circuit training that they do where they've got to get through x number of stations in a in a certain amount of time and that just kicks your butt it makes you better on Saturdays clearly but you see all the squat rack weight that's being moved you see Marvin Scott curling I'm gonna what two hundred pound dumbbells I mean those things were giant Nebraska looks well, Babbers, Nebraska looks the part, at least through July. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, it, you know, here's another funny story in the weight room. <laughs> Isaiah Hip, you remember I am Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, walk on from uh, Chapin, South Carolina. So, I am Hip, he was so uh, he was so committed to the weight room that uh, Boyd Epley had to place somebody at the weight room on game day to keep Isaiah Hip from going in there because 
he was going in and lifting weights before the game. Mm. And and Boyd said, "This is not a good. This is not a good deal." And uh, so I remember uh, uh, George Sullivan, the trainer. He said, "You know, a couple times he would, that was his assignment was to be down there to make sure that Isaiah didn't come in there and and uh, try to lift the weights before the game on Saturday." So they had some commitment from some guys, and it wasn't just linemen. It was a it was running back. Isaiah was a, was a pretty strong back. Remember talking to Sam Cook, and, and he's been kicking for Baltimore for years. And Cook Cook's like the baddest dude ever to kick a football in the NFL. And I say that because Sam Cook's throwing up weight. And like Ed Reed, his teammate and his friend for years, <laughs> they first meet, and Ray Lewis is in the weight room, and 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 they're like, "All right, who's this this you know this punter from Nebraska?" And then Sam's throwing up weight on the on the bench, and they're just like, "Damn!" I mean, they're just immediately, <laughs> immediately, immediately wowed that not only the punter but the punter from Nebraska could probably roll you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He was a. Sam was a was a really good, you know. Nebraska had a string of those guys that uh, walked on and were mm. just really outstanding. Uh, such a, such a good athlete that oh yeah, I'm going to kick in college and then do it for 15 years in the NFL. Yeah, playing linebacker and wideout, you know, in in uh, in York. So Seward. Seward. I yeah, I thought I I, I was fifty fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't you don't mention uh, York and Seward in the same. Uh, no, no. I, I screwed that up, and I apologize to our friends in York <laughs> and in Seward. Ba- <laughs> yes. Babbers, what's your take on on the running back room? I know Coach Hull, Coach Held spoke last night on the network, and you know what he. he He's never a guy that'll be at peace. He's always going to keep recruiting and always going to keep coaching, but he's got to feel a little bit better heading into this 2020 season that we hope we get with with some of the uh, the options he has at back. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talent there. That it's it's potential. You know, that's the thing. You got to you got to follow through now. Um, and there's no question that he's got the he's got guys that can can get the job done. Uh, but but they've got to show it. You know they got to prove it. Uh, Mills is the only one that uh, we know for sure um, what he can do. But uh, man, the potential is there. Uh, they've really uh, they've really brought in a, a group of uh, I think really talented guys, and and uh, obviously there's some physicality there too. So uh, that's a good thing because that's what you know. As you guys talked earlier, that's what you want is a is a solid running game. That's where Nebraska's. That needs to that that is Nebraska, and uh, that's what uh, they have the potential to be. Mike, in your opinion, when you're looking at 2020, 20. which position group is going to be most important to the run game? Is it the running backs? Is it the quarterback and Adrian Martinez slash Luke McCaffrey? Or is it the offensive line? Offensive line for me, it's always the offensive line. You know, you gotta you gotta start with the guys up front. They've got to get the job done, and. Uh, you know, they've got Nebraska has some experience there. I think Ben Harden is going to have the opportunity to step in. They're probably going to, I think they're going to move uh, Farniak to guard, uh, Matt. And uh, uh, I, I just think that you have to, and here's the other thing that I think you need to develop. You have to be in a position, I'm talking from the way it was, you know, it, it, this old guy talking, but um, you've got to have at least one 
tackle that you can count on as a backup that can play either either side, a swing tackle, and you need a swing guard. Um, you need at least seven guys that you really feel comfortable with, and you need to rotate those guys in there uh, at tackle and guard. You don't typically rotate the center, but uh, you need to rotate those guys in there to keep them fresh. If you can do that, you're going to be successful, I think. And that's where that's where it begins, right there on the offensive line. Babbers, I've got a minute. Uh, you do your weekly story, uh, Tom's time, uh, memorable game against Colorado in '92. Yeah, yeah. Both teams were ranked number. They they were tied for number eight in the AP poll. Colorado came in, I think, had one tie on its uh, record. Nebraska had the loss to Washington. Uh, it's at uh, Memorial Stadium, and it's fifty-two to seven. I mean, Nebraska, and, and Nebraska rolled in that game, and and uh, the thing I remember most was uh, Will Shields running the fumble ruski, getting sixteen <laughs> yards on that thing, setting up a touchdown just before the halftime. But uh, yeah, that was quite the uh, quite the experience. Um, you know, again, because of, and Nebraska had lost. Uh, the previous three games against Colorado, Nebraska was 0-2 and, and one tie. And, uh, boy, it just looked like another uh, going to be a real scrap. Those teams were were uh, tied in the rankings, and uh, uh, it didn't happen that way. The Blackshirts really stepped up, shut down Colorado, and and, uh, and Nebraska rolled offensively. Uh, can't wait to read that. Mike Babcock, Tom's time on HailVarsity.com. Babbers, it was fun. We'll check in next Wednesday, bud, and keep pumping that iron. Hey, be safe. Take care. There he is, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike Schuart's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's head out to Wilderness Ridge. It's a little cloudy. It's pleasant outside. And right now someone's getting a birdie. Mike Shuhart's smiling. Shuey, what's up? How are you? Enjoying the day. It's a beautiful day. It is. I just uh, called and woke up Junior to make sure he's doing okay. He's, <laughs> he's detasseling in the morning. Oh, boy. So he gets home and collapses, and every uh-huh. time he's woke me up around 1 a.m. doing his stupid video game stuff, paybacks are a son of a you-know-what. <laughs> so I just decided to, to, to mess with him. Perfect <laughs> weather out, and I need a Divot Dogs update before we get rolling here on some Tiger Talk. So doing good. My kids have been playing. They've been playing well, so... Had practice on Tuesday. Did a little skills challenge today. Seeing how good their skills were, and they're pretty good. So it's been fun. Fun year. Give me a – is there still the, the big purple hippo? No, actually, you know what we have now? We have the shark. Chew the shark. <laughs> so retired <laughs> the hippo. What was, what was the hippo's name? Uh, Gary the Hippo. Gary, Yeah, Gary the Hippo. That was part of the skills challenge. Uh, now we got Chew the Shark, so – I like that. Mike Schwartz with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And uh, that, uh, tell you what, that instruction you do with the young kids uh, with uh, the Divot Dogs is is really awesome to have in in this uh, community. 
Shuey, uh, let's spend some time here on the memorial. Tiger, a long, long shot, and he's returning after a five-month layoff. Folks in Vegas, specifically Caesars, got him at 28-1. to What do we see from Tiger this weekend? Man, listen to him talk, man. He's ready. You know, he says that break did him good. He feels, you know, fresh and body feels good. So, but, man, five months, that's a long time not doing what golf is required. You know, a lot of repetition work. That that doesn't mean I've been playing and practicing at home, but it's a whole different world when you you get into a tournament, you know. So, I mean, Tiger's Tiger. I mean, it's just amazing. Him being in the tournament has created a huge buzz. So that alone, and you never know with Tiger, man. That guy is so talented that if he feels right and things are right, I mean, he could he could put himself in contention very easily. Give me a little backdrop to the memorial. I mean, the difficulty of it, and you've got Bryson DeChambeau. He's the he's the favorite, ten to one. Justin Thomas, twelve to one. Rory's at fourteen to one. Uh, who do you like at the memorial, and what do you like about the memorial cor- course? Yeah, the memorial, that's a Nicholas course. You know, Nicholas is a uh, – his golf courses revolve around your ability to hit a uh, long iron. And not only that, you better be able to hit it up in the air to be able to stop it on some of his greens that he has <laughs> that are pretty difficult. You know, that was Nicholas's game. You know, he was a – very good with his long irons. He was very good at being able to hit the ball way up in the air. So they're typically okay off the tee or generous off the tee. Um, and you got to be able to be pretty precision oriented with your irons. You know, guys hit it so long anymore, but you still got to be able to hit iron shots up in the air to get them close to some of the pins uh, that they'll have out there that are kind of small plateau areas. Um, so I like Rory a lot this week, okay. you know, the only thing with Rory is Rory, his whole game depends on his putter. Mm. You know, he's, he's a very streaky putter when he puts really good. He's always got a chance. He always hits it pretty good. You know, he's long for a little guy. People don't realize how small that guy is. He's only like five, eight. Okay. So wh- when you look at guys like Rory and the putter inconsistency, is it about the focus and the mentality? I mean, how did you approach the short game? Uh, putting is so repetition-oriented. Like everything in golf, but putting especially, it's so routine-oriented. You know, and, and my big belief in putting is that when you do it right, it's like you should have made the putt before you even struck the ball. Because you have a routine that goes and puts all the things that you need in place. So putting is your ability to control the distance and the direction. You know, can you can you pick the right line? Can you read a green correctly? And then can you trust your ability to hit it on that line with a proper distance all the time? So, so putting yourself and going through a routine every time to be able to let the putter be able to move in a manner that, that – makes the ball go where you've decided for it to go. So then it's a lot of trust. Can you trust that? Can you believe in that, that that is the right line and I'm going to hit it right there? Too, too often with putting, we're, 
we're trying to make it. And it's like you don't try to make it. Your process puts you in a position that if you do what your process is, the ball should roll where you put it with the right distance, which is the two major components you got to have, you know, distance and direction. Mike Schuhart is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Mike, with the 2020 Memorial Golf Tournament this weekend, uh, a lot of the focus is going to be on Tiger Woods' return, but some fun featured groups Thursday and Friday with uh, Rory, Tiger, and Brooks Kepka. You got Phil Mickelson with Justin Rose, uh, Justin Thomas with Justin Johnson, Xander Shoffley. I mean, should be a fun weekend, right? Yeah, it should be a really fun weekend. I saw some of those pairings, and they got some superstar pairings out there. So be fun to watch. You know, unfortunately, you can't be there, but fun to watch on TV. Those guys, you know, play the game of golf like they do. I know Kepka's not playing very well, but it, that's how fickle golf is. You have a bad week like they had last week, and he'll turn around. He's liable. He's liable to win the tournament this week. That's how those guys work. You know, another a tournament under their belt, seeing the things they're doing wrong. They go work on it for a week. They get it figured out, and then all of a sudden. You know, he comes out this week, and everybody's going, oh, he's broken. He's not going to play good. You watch. Brooks will play. I would almost guarantee that he'll play good this week. Mike Schuart's with us. Wilderness Ridge Golf. Uh, Shuey's out there. Can help you work on your game. Uh, you got a little one that you want to get involved with golf. Go talk to Shuey about that. Last thought, Shuey, about 30 seconds. Uh, Fit Fridays, talk to me. What's happening? Uh couple of weeks off for our Fit Fridays. We've got a lot of stuff going on out here. We've got our member guests coming up, so we'll be busy doing that. But uh, after a couple of busy weeks we get over with, we'll start them back up again. So kind of off and on. Am I going to be able to play 18 and then get to a college football game this fall? <laughs> yes, yes on, on part that. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes on the playing part, watching football, no. <laughs> Shoey, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen not, but... somehow. I appreciate it. Yeah. Mike Shuart's with us, uh, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shoey, take care. Best to you. Stay safe and healthy, partner. We'll talk next week. Uh, all right. Thank you much. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. There he is, Mike Shuart. We got Shoey the Shark for the... The uh, skills competition instead of Gary the Hippo. This big old purple hippo the kids used to chip towards. It's a big change. I know. But uh, Shuey the Shark, uh, aptly named. We'll wind down hour one next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Brad Edwards coming up. ESPN College Football Insider College Game Day. We'll get to some NFL and Take some of your calls at 525. A reminder about West Blue Realty. Are you looking to move in 2020? West Blue specializes in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They can make 2020 a smooth move for you. When you mention Hale Varsity, West Blue can provide up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout. Tom's waiting for that phone call from you at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, he's there to help as well. Kelly's good stuff, as is Tom. You can call Kelly Hofschneider at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. Do you have agricultural land you're looking to move? And uh, West Blue can handle that part of things as well. 
They uh, have their own auctioneer. They can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings. And they've sold land all over the state of Nebraska, Seward, Oto, Lancaster. They can handle a large radius uh, for you. WestBlueRealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. All right, I saw this. I need your take. I have my two. We'll ask Brad Edwards about it as well. There's a list of deceased famous actors. You can only bring two back. Who do you choose? Freddie Mercury. Heath Ledger, Whitney Houston, Paul Walker, Chris Farley, Bernie Mac, Brittany Murphy, Bob Marley, Bill Paxton, Bruce Lee, Aaliyah, or Selena. You get two. Hmm. Well, one's Chris Farley. Yep, Farley. Farley, he's just too funny. I bring Farley back twice. I mean, those movies, you can go back and watch them now, and they're still just, like, relatable and hilarious. Like, the guy, well, his, the guy was just talented. Oh, he's great. And, I mean, who doesn't love Tommy Boy? It's a thousand percent better than your Water Boy. I would actually agree with that. Mm-hmm. Tommy Boy is a hilarious movie. Tommy, Bo- Tommy Boy is great. His, uh, his, his scene in Billy Madison where he's a bus driver. I mean, all his years on SNL. Yeah, he's, he did he was great. In a van down by the river. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to show my kids that. I think it'll be 50 years old by the time they see it. What was the, the, the motivational speaker? That's, yeah, van down by the river, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah but what's the guy's name? Oh, uh... Matt Foley. Matt Foley. <laughs> Matt Foley. <laughs> Matt Foley. <laughs> no, Lottie freaking no. Uh, I go with... All right, I go with oh, Chris, I, Chris Farley. Yeah. So I, I think number two, I'm, I'm leading Heath Ledger. He was great as Joker in the Batman. Never saw that one. I hear it was great. He had it like an Oscar, didn't he? His role was incredible. He locked himself in like a hotel room for a month just, <laughs> just to, just to like make himself it. crazy before, okay. before he did that role. Dude was just super talented. Gone too soon. You know what? I'm going to go Farley and Marley. Ooh, the rhyming. I like that. Give me Bob Marley. For his singing ability, I assume? For well, his, yes. Yeah. Not his horticulture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me, you know, the world could use a little peace and love and Jamaican flavor with uh, with Marley. Good stuff, man. You're not in a bad mood if you got Marley playing. That's true. That's true. But uh, that's the truth. I feel like most people who have the the Marley playing might not be. Uh, they're not in a bad mood. Yeah, no. <laughs> they're just hungry. Just hungry. Brad Edwards coming up. Some college football thoughts. Will Brad have good news and optimism? Or do we need to give Brad Edwards a hug? ESPN's College Football Insider, College Game Day. He's next hour, two on the way. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're working on Brad Edwards from ESPN College Game Day. Uh, spent some time in the first hour chatting about Nebraska's running back situation. Coach Held's thoughts last night with uh, the Nebraska Network. And uh, he's feeling pretty pleased with some of the talent he's got and uh, where it can go. 
and uh, that's going to be a monster part of Nebraska in 2020 if and when we get a college football season. Some some more thoughts from Tom Deanhart caught up with rivals and uh, expounded a little bit on what may be happening in the Big Ten. We'll get into some NFL uh, shortly. That's uh, on the way. The uh, Dak Prescott saga is very real. And uh, still no signage for Dak. But with the schedule here, you have the... the what's well, This is what's likely in the Big Ten. You, you've got your, your first game and then the next couple of games. So maybe three games will be scheduled initially. And then you'll have an opening to see how things move forward. That's good. Uh, you hope you get more than, than just the first game, the second game, the third game. But what you could have from a schedule structure with the Big Ten, you have two weeks on and then one week off, a form of staggering with the schedule. And I, I would be pretty surprised if you're not going to see Iowa or you're not going to see uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota moved up. So those are some things I'm thinking with the uh, the Big Ten schedule and some thoughts from Tom Deanhard. And uh, you know what? What's going to happen? Is, is it a September 5th start day? Is it a September 12th start day? Spring ball is on the table. And um, what's the number? Is it five to become bowl eligible? Brian's going to jump on the horn, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Brian, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Two things. I want to get this off my chest. I listened to the podcast of Monday's show, and I am completely disgusted with you on your take on the water boy. It Thank is a you. national treasure. It, it is not F-bomb Brian. It's not a national treasure. I still want my 850 <laughs> back. And the Rob Schneider part where you can do it's all right. Uh, the, the the portion of wrestling, uh, you know, WWE champ making fun of Bobby Boucher in his bed, and then Fred the Donkey's all right, but it was it was about an hour forty five too long. Yeah, they could have done away with uh, him showing up at halftime. That was a little cliche. Yeah, I mean, there's just yeah. there's just some Sandler movies that flat out suck. There just is. Just like there's some Will Ferrell movies that flat out suck. Fifty first dates that one sucked. Probably I didn't see I didn't see it. I mean, you got the last Boy Scout with his uh, drunk uh, pit bull. That was okay. Yeah. Uh, you've got Billy Madison that's incredible. You got Happy Gilmore that's fantastic. What else am I leaving out? I mean, those are the three that I'll watch. Old Dogs was a couple years ago. That one wasn't bad. Really, the original Old Dogs wasn't terrible. And what's the, what's grown the Grown Ups was okay. Yeah, oh, grown, grown, up. grown Ups is nice. What about? Uh, What's the one he was with John Stewart in? I mean, that did it for me. I that was to... Big Daddy. Yeah, that sucked. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, my <laughs> second thing. Uh, the 90s Husker fan in me just really, really wants that 50 or that $500 or what am I saying? 500 mile radius. Yeah. Really want all those schools. Every single one. I, I just want to see it again. Just one more. Just give me a taste. I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, if if you can get your divisional games in, 
but the Big Ten East is off the table for, for some reason. Let Nebraska fill in their schedule. Yep. With absolutely. Iowa State, with Kansas State. Get me um get me a trip to see the Mad Hatter down in Lawrence or have him visit KU. Yep. Let's bring the buffs back. Be all right. Missouri would be okay. Colorado so much. Yeah. God, I want to see that. <laughs> Brian, thanks for the phone call, bud. Yeah, Appreciate yeah, it. Please. See, he he's that's he's been holding on to that since like Monday. My my take on the water boy. And I'm not gonna hate on you if, if you're a fan of it. I just can't take it. And I spent the money in the theater on it. I'll have to talk to Junior. Junior's Reliving a lot of his, well, he's he's diving into whatever he can find on Netflix. So he has uh, been through Breaking Bad. He loves Ferris Bueller. And he's trying to work me to be able to watch Peaky Blinders. And some days he's 13 going on 30. I just worry about him being desensitized to cocaine use at such an early age. That's that's a that's a fear of mine. Welcome in ESPN Insider College Game Day. It is Brad Edwards at J Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I'm I'm sorry I was a little, little bit late for my uh for my session here. Um I was outside <laughs> with my wife. We had discovered a a new uh, upholstery cleaner and we were Ooh. remarking over the its ability to take out stains. And so we were testing different things. And all of a sudden I looked up and saw the time and I was like, Oh, got to get back to my phone. Where is it? No, you're good. You're good. So this thing, I, you know, someday I will need my upholstery cleaned. That's right. So, I mean, does this, this, uh, from a, do you have pets from a stain standpoint? Is there wine stains? Uh, I mean, does this thing erase everything? Is it like the ultimate walk on? Yeah, no, so, so this is like uh, I don't I don't think it's one of those things that was ever in an infomercial. Ah. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, um, I just kind of stumbled across it because what my wife had sent me to the store to get was not on the shelf, and so uh, this looked similar as far as what it, it it described that it does, and so I bought it. And uh, of course, her first reaction was it's not going to work, and then we started <laughs> using it, and it's like wow, it, it, this is, works really well. Um, we believe the stains were due to um, to the the it is actually a sofa that was backed up against the wall uh, over the top of where a radiator is, uh-huh. and so we think that it was a lot of heat and humidity from the radiator that probably had put these stains. And we just assumed they wouldn't come out, but I don't think there are too many people listening who were really interested in this. So no, I'll, no, I'll, that, that's fine. There. <laughs> no, the 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 alternative would be to 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 throw it on Craigslist and sell it to a West Virginia student. That that's true too. Although we feel like even if we're going to sell it, um now it looks a lot better. So if we still decide to sell it, which was the plan, at least we, at least we might get twice as much more. Well, there we have it. Well, speaking of that, Chris, did you ever get that couch out of your basement? Yeah, dude, we're talking furniture here. Uh <laughs> My wife and kid decided to move a a couch that this thing's kind of teal in color, but man, it was comfortable. And man, she spent yeah. way too much money on it. And then the German Shepherd got a hold of it, and 
long and short is the couch is now in the garage for resale. So I need to get your upholstery number. <laughs> yeah, well, go, so, go to town know, one on of the that. things we've heard quite often in this COVID environment, uh, especially as it pertains to college football, is, is that everything is on the table. Mm. And, and obviously that goes for, uh, for conversation. When you, when you can get this much mileage out of furniture <laughs> on a sports talk show, everything is indeed on the table. Couches? are important because likely if we do have football, we'll be at home watching it. So That's right. I got to ask you, you know, the Big Ten came out. We talked to you last Wednesday. Uh, the Big Ten did their thing on Thursday, as did the Pac-12. And you've got the SEC and, and Big 12 and, and ACC kind of playing it by year. Brad, what's your feel on the SEC versus the rest of college football? Uh, you have Coach Orgeron coming out. You have Coach Lincoln Riley saying that he thinks there's going to be ball. I'm holding on hope, and I think they, they get it started at some point in September. I don't know how much is finished, but uh, with your contacts and, and your insight, your ear to the ground, what's the SEC's attitude versus the rest of college football about 2020? I'm not sure the SEC's is a whole lot different than the ACC's or maybe even the Big 12's. We haven't heard a lot out of the Big 12. Um, and, and that's not to say that it's a whole lot different than the Big Ten and Pac-12. I, I think what the Big Ten said was the reason for its decision makes a lot of sense, which is that if you go into this with the belief that you're not going to be able to play 12 games, like at some point you're going to need to you know, take a break or two because numbers have spiked and, and whatever it may be, and you're going to have to you know, uh, cancel or postpone a game, well, it's a lot easier to manage that if you're dealing with conference only, especially if it's a, if it's a postponement and it's going to lead to rescheduling. So to try to squeeze, you know, nine games into 13 weeks or something like that, that I mean, that, that's obviously uh, a lot easier to do if, uh, if you're – well, first of all, it's easier to do in 13 weeks if you're only dealing with nine games. And second, if you're, if you're – you know, if you've got one person in charge. That's what we keep coming back to, you know, with college football. There's not one person in charge. When you get to any given conference, there is one person in charge, and so that makes it uh, infinitely more doable. So, um, so I, I get what the Big Ten, the Pac-12 are going after. Um, the reason I, I don't think the AC, excuse me, the SEC is kind of out there on its own is, is that, uh, or at least I don't think I don't think they can operate on their own. It's probably a better way to say it. They need at least the ACC to be on board with them. Uh, in order to play more games. You know, I don't know whether the uh, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to add a game and try to play 10 within the conference or keep it at 9, but I, I do know that the uh, SEC and the ACC, which have eight conference games scheduled, would like to play at least 9, if not 10, and so they got to find the extra game somewhere. Um, I, I don't think you'll struggle to find, you know, group of five teams willing to, to play them for money because a lot of them have lost those opportunities with the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12. But, but I think when you start looking at something like Notre Dame, the Notre Dame question is a big one. Um, what's Notre Dame going to do if everyone plays conference only? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that the ACC is going to take care of Notre Dame. And they already have, you know, basically half a schedule lined up against ACC teams, uh, not to mention Arkansas out of the SEC is already, you know, scheduled to play Notre Dame this year. Then you have, uh, with, you know, with ACC, SEC crossover, you have four in-state rivalries. Um, and then Mississippi State, I believe, plays NC State out of conference. Auburn plays North Carolina out of conference. So you have at least six uh, that I can think of non-conference games between those two leagues. So 
there, there's a good bit of crossover that's already built in there where if you, if you just throw Notre Dame in with the ACC, um, along with the SEC, I think they're pretty close to being able to get to 10 games, even if they keep it with eight you know, in the conference. Mm-hmm. But if at some point the ACC decides to go off and, and declare that it's playing conference only, the SEC's options really become limited at that point. Brad, I've just got a couple of minutes. Do you think the Notre Dame-Wisconsin Lambeau game is dead? Dead as far as this year? Yes. Yeah, it seems to be. Um, I mean, if, if the Big Ten isn't going to play non-conference games... Um, I'm just wondering, in, in a pinch, say, listen, we don't want Rutgers or Penn State making a trip west... Can you, and that's kind of Nebraska. This morphs into a Nebraska question, as well as you know, league commissioners. If things get canceled, but Nebraska's positivity rate and hospitalization numbers are low, would a league let a would a league let a school fill out their own schedule? Yeah, I mean that that's the question, you know. And from the start, it was like, okay, wait. You've got a conference that stretches from New Jersey to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You you can't be saying that we're doing this for regional reasons, you know, because we don't want to cross over in a certain state because you're covering a lot of territory there. So it made a lot more sense when I heard that the Big Ten was doing it in order to be able to control the scheduling. So if that's the case, then then I, I, I think that it is what it is, and you're going to play all the games within the conference, and that, that means that Wisconsin wouldn't play Notre Dame. Uh, but if that's not what it is, and if it's about keeping it more regional, then – yeah, I mean, then I mean, really, Nebraska shouldn't be playing teams in the Big Ten East. Right. So, I, I mean, you know, I, there, there are all sorts of directions you could go with that, but I think ultimately it comes down to what is the reason? What is the primary reason for doing conference games only? And uh, that's probably going to dictate uh, what's doable and what's not. Brad, about 30 seconds. Do you think we get a decision or uh, uh, hurry up and wait in August? Do you, do you have a sense of a timeline as far as to, to punt or to go for it? I, I think by the end of July, the uh, SEC, ACC, Big 12 will probably together make some sort of decision as to whether uh, they're going to proceed, whether they're going to announce some sort of adjustment, or whether they're going to announce that they're going to push back the start of the season and, and basically wait two more weeks to decide. Uh, well, I think one of those three is what we'll get from from those three conferences mm-hmm. in the next two weeks. Spring ball, I mean, c- can it be done? It's possible. I mean, I, I've I've heard suggestions of of maybe even playing part of the schedule in the fall and part in the spring. Okay, um, that seems weird to us, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, it's um, I, the, the thing with spring ball, and, and you know this being in the Big Ten now that. <laughs> As much fun as it is to see the occasional snowstorm in November in college football, if you try to play college football in February, that that's just that's not just a covering of snow on the field. I mean, you could end up with you know in in a lot of the Big Ten states, you know, a foot or more mm-hmm. of snow where you're having games called off because of it. sure, you know, not playing in it. So I don't. It just it seems to me you'd have to push the start of the season so far back in the in the northern part of the country that you wouldn't be able to uh, to get in more than like, I don't know, six, seven games. Brad Edwards with us. Brad, thanks for jumping on, bud. We'll catch up next week. All right, you got it. Take care. Chime in, 402 
1-800-522-4666 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com Just try me, try me Back to Hale Varsity Radio Let's get into some NFL thoughts. First, uh, you have Mr. Henry in Tennessee getting paid. $50 million, $25 million guaranteed over four years. And what what uh, the Titans did in the postseason, specifically what Derrick Henry did in the postseason, we're talking almost 1,300 yards, was incredible. Uh, the quarterback was... Asked not to throw a lot. He was Mr. Play Action. The defense was stellar. And it was Henry doing all of the uh, the leg work, the grunt work. But he got taken care of. Uh, that is nice. I know they made a, a monster investment in Ryan Tannehill. And if they're happy with him, and that's where they want to go with this offense, where it's defense, special teams, and Henry, so be it. So Henry's contract averaging out to 12.5 a year that makes him the NFL's fifth highest paid back, trailing Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson of the Texans. So if you were to pick your, your, your top two backs in the league and just take the money off the table, who do you want? Oh, t- give me Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, those two. I, I think absolutely. I think Le'Veon Bell is maybe a little long in the tooth and the best pit the best fit for him was Pittsburgh and he should have known that and we'll see how his career either resurrects or goes downhill post Pittsburgh David Johnson he must have had one hell of a wrist injury I know he broke it but he's a far cry I hope he gets back to the uh, the the Johnson we saw in in Arizona, he's had a knee injury or two as well. I believe. He, yeah, I mean he's just he's and Zeke. I mean Zeke's fantastic, but Zeke's got a great offensive line that's also aging, and Zeke just I think could be a pain in the ass off the field. That's all there is to it in my take, and and maybe Zeke's chilled out and fine. But McCaffrey and and Henry, the thing about Henry is Henry really burst on the scene as you know freshman year the last three or four games at Alabama Henry I think slid to the second round because the guy is he's like a sweet Lexus that has 80,000 miles on him coming out of Alabama because they beat the hell out of one another at Alabama but what do you get from Henry now I don't doubt his effort and intensity is going to be great is he going to be is he going to be the same back of this four-year deal, how many Henry-like years do you get out of the four years? I mean, you can make a great argument for Saquon Barkley instead of Derrick Henry if i got to have two. But the thing with Derrick Henry is I- I'm with you. The way he runs the ball, it's powerful. It's lower well, your It's like Eddie guys. George. Like Eddie George played eight years, but it felt like 800 because yeah. he's getting 300 carries a season. Yeah, and Derrick Henry's just getting beat the hell up every single game, every single season. And he's, but that's his that's his style. That's what he does. and That's what he loves to do. He talked about it on his Bustin' with the Boys podcast. Yeah, with, with Will Compton. And, and, I mean, Henry, that's, you know, he may be taking the shots, but he's also delivering the shots, and your body only has so many hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there's just, He's still a young back. There's only one video you got to watch to show who Derrick Henry is and what he can do for your offense. That's a video of him stiff-arming Ed Reed in the playoffs. Yeah, He literally turned Ed Reed around. That's that's what Derrick Henry's power is. Right now, he's the most powerful back in the game. It's not even close. Well, he might be the most unstoppable back. Dude, the, the, the amount of speed he has with that power, that's the combo that you really can't even compare. He's, he's it. He is his own 
special back in the NFL with his size and his power. And the and defenses know what's coming. They're not going to ask Tannehill to throw 25 times a game. They're going to just – Henry's going to hammer you, and they got a really good offensive line with Tennessee. Let's get to Dak. No deal for Dak Prescott or the Dallas Cowboys. So the franchise tag is going to be 31 million for the 2020 season and this will come up a year from now with Dallas with Dak and what happens next is this the uh, preview of a divorce and listen I I think Dak's a good quarterback I think they stole him in the fourth round but if I'm Dallas and I have the quarterback market I'm going to have in 2021. I'm going to go get Deshaun Watson. I mean, if, if, if am I going to commit long-term? Is Dak the best option we have? I know Jerry's a big, I found this talent. We found him. Look what he's done for us. I think Dak can win. I don't think Dak can win a Super Bowl. I think Dak's, I think Dak's better than adequate. If I'm going to get me a quarterback for the future, and we'll see what what Deshaun Watson does. I mean, he may sign a short extension, but he wants the hell out of Houston. I would go get him. I would go get him, and if I'm Dallas in a year, I throw a boatload of money at Deshaun Watson. That's, That's the quarterback I like most. You're going to have this year after Cam Newton experiment with New England. Does he stick and stay? Does he butt heads? Is he looking for a new team, but had a good season statistically where he's back on the, well, he can he can still win for us even though he'll be 32 or 33. Dak's a starting quarterback and Dak's a playoff quarterback, but he's also probably has the most toys to play with. I mean, there's been good wideouts in Dallas. They have surrounded him with help. They've got Zeke to hand off to. Their defense has been pretty good. Their defense has been really good, Okay. And their offensive line, while a little bit older, is still amongst the best in the NFL, or at least they were. But if I'm if I'm picking a quarterback that doesn't have to have a ton around him or can thrive with help around him, I'm I'm sorry if I'm Jerry. Let's just be patient a year. Let's do this franchise thing, and then let's go shopping or let's settle. Now, maybe Dak proves everybody wrong and Dallas is in the Super Bowl. I don't think so. And Dak's made like $4 million over four years. And you've had some real stiffs make way more money in the NFL. Uh, I mean, Goff and Wentz. Let me ask you this. Is, is Dak Prescott in the Carson Wentz, Jared Goff neighborhood to you, for you? I have him above Goff, personally. I don't think Jared Goff was pretty unimpressive for me last year. And you saw what happened in the Super Bowl whenever the, the, uh, the Patriots were yeah, able the to. The Patriots changed their defense after the play clock went down to 15. Yeah, and you could see that he, he couldn't read a defense well. I, I have Dak above Jared Goff. And my whole view on just on this whole deal is it, it's not awful for both sides. There's a lot of people complaining. I know Dak's unhappy, but it sounds like they no, were. Dak's family's pissed. <laughs> yeah, that you can get into that I would, in a second. I would, I would tell my brother to, to stay off Twitter. But I mean. It sounds like they were close to a deal today, and it sounds like that deal was somewhere in the $35 million range, and his franchise tag is worth $31.4 million. So it's not like this is the worst thing in the world for Dak. He's getting paid, he's getting off his rookie contract, and he gets a year to go prove himself with even more talent around him this year than he had last year.
Yeah. And as for the Cowboys, you're making a good point where they can go get Deshaun Watson this year. If, if he doesn't play up is to the 31 million. Is there somebody better out there? Because think of what Dallas has now and trade out Watson for Dak. Is Dallas immediately not, uh, aside from San Francisco, your Super Bowl squad? It's, and and yeah. I know they've got to rebuild a little bit on defense because they've lost some some guys. And listen, I mean, Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook were the guys that Dallas wanted to draft. And by dumb luck, Dak fell into their lap. But Matthew Stafford has a $96 million deal. Kirk Cousins has a $97.9 million deal. Joe Flacco got a huge deal. And this is the the starting quarterback for, uh, air quote, America's team. I mean, the Cowboys got a lot of swag. Uh, Dak feels disrespected. Jerry, I think, is hesitant for sure, but I don't blame him because I think his eyes are wondering, can I go do better? If I'm going to throw this money down, I need to make sure it's a sure thing. And to me, Dak Prescott's not a sure thing. I mean, Jerry and, Jones. And not, not through any fault of his own. He's not awful. He's not horrible. I think he's better than Cousins. That'll rub some people wrong, but I think the, I think they're pretty much the same guy, but but Dak's not had horrible moments. I mean, in my humble opinion, at the moment, Dak is a top ten quarterback in the NFL. Top five's a stretch, and I, I wouldn't go as far, but I'm putting him in the, the eight or nine range. He's a good quarterback, but Jerry Jones has also been around the Cowboys for a long time. He's seen some good quarterbacks come through that team. And if he wants to wait a year, he's not sure if Dak Prescott's his guy. I mean, well, it's fair, I, fair play to him. I think it's 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 gotten personal. <laughs> like, dude, you're not taking this offer. I found you. We've helped make you take the money. And, and Dak's response is like, take a hike, old man. So do you take Dak over Phillip Rivers? At the moment, yeah. Yeah, so do I. Do you take Dak over Matt Ryan? That's a tough one. Uh, you got age versus... It, it's age versus the promise potential. Mm. At the moment, How if it was just a one-season deal, I'm probably taking Matt Ryan over Dak Prescott. All right. But if it's for the long term, then I'm taking Dak. I, uh, obviously, you got Mahomes and Rodgers and Watson and Wilson and Brady and Wentz. And then there's kind of everybody else. And I, I'm putting Dak right behind those guys in the, in the seven or eight. I think that's fair. Yeah. What, what about Dak and San Fran instead of Jimmy? I think Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I agree with you. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has got all the weapons in the world in that offense and a great run game. I'm anxious to see what Kyler Murray can do mm. a second year in Arizona in that system. Josh Allen's done pretty well. In limited, Drew Brees. We've seen I mean, limited of Josh Allen. But. Drew, Drew Brees is fantastic, and he's got one more rodeo. I mean, but when you're looking at the quarterbacks that are coming up in this league, Dak's one of the top ones that you'd want. I mean, I, I'd take him over Daniel Jones, over uh, Sam Darnold. I'm taking him at the moment over Kyler Murray. I'm taking him over Drew Locke. I'm not taking him over Patrick Mahomes. That's the one, no. the one guy probably. I'm not taking Dak over. Well, we've not even mentioned freaking Lamar. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he won the MVP. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, Lamar's fantastic. You got Josh Allen. That's phenomenal. Those are your two young pups that are really up and coming. Dak's been in the league though for for four years. It'll be cool to see what what Baker does this year. Because he was he was better than average as a, as a rookie. 
He sucked last year. And, and what happens now in, in year three, and then Jimmy G, it's like, yeah, uh, I, I am buying into that fear factor of uh, San Fran was a little shy to let him start chucking it around. They felt like they were hiding him all last year. Well, they just, just don't screw it up, son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of quarterbacks. God, Russell Wilson's been in the league forever. Carson Wentz is awesome, but he needs to stay healthy. Kirk's won a lot. Cousins has won a lot of football. Dak's been pretty good, but man, uh, divorce is pending. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back to it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How about yourself? Doing all right. Uh, dreaming of, of the perfect golf swing and, and a weekend of great youth baseball. That's that's kind of where my wheelhouse is at. And, of course, the hope <laughs> for, for college football and, and sports to return. And it's got to be an awkward time for not only those in medicine like yourself, but also the the student athletes that are on college campuses or the high school athletes that are trying to do some training on their own or are part of some some spring slash summer workout sessions, you know, the agility stuff. And want to revisit a, a very common injury that's still still potentially devastating, but man, the, the advancements made have been big time for athletes. And uh, the ACL, you hear about it, and it used to mean, okay, is this guy's career or is this gal's career done? And not that it isn't serious, it still is. But the, uh, the recovery and the return to play has, has been incredible and spend a couple of minutes first dr ben woodhead on just the the approach the diagnosis and the fix part of things for what you do and the care you give an athlete yeah absolutely and it has changed a lot you know back in the 90s it did you're right it used to be a you know almost a career ender you know you had a big, big open kind of whack type of surgery and, and it was potentially devastating and even you know in the early 2000s actually tore mine in college you know it had improved from where it was in the 80s and 90s but even from back then in the 2000s we've made light years in terms of improvement you know over the last 15 to 20 years and so a lot of times you know it's kind of the characteristic knee injury where a kid comes down from a jump shot twists their knee or football run and make a cut and they feel a pop um you know or even in a contact type of situation where an athlete's running around and, and they'll take basically a shot on the outside of the knee and they will tear their acl in that way and so um that's kind of the characteristic kind of classic type of history that you get and then kids will often they'll their knee will swell up right away and they'll have some limited function initially but you know over time you know over the course of the next few days as the swelling kind of subsides they actually start feeling somewhat normal again um but it's kind of that instability that results from the acl being torn that a lot of these kids can't continue functioning without getting it fixed Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. And, and I, you just kind of nailed it, that instability where it, it just isn't secure and there's little to no trust. Can I, can I go 
like I'm used to going. And if you were to, to ballpark it for me, do you see more non-contact ACLs or is it still 60-40, 50-50? I know it can vary, but is it more contact or non-contact that, that you're used to seeing? Yeah, I think it depends on the sport they're playing, right? But, you know, I think in football, you know, you're getting a decent amount of contact um, type of ACL injuries. But I think for the most part, you're seeing, I would say, more so you're seeing kind of the non-contact pivoting type of injury where you just get that perfect scenario where the knee twists and and pops the ACL. And so, um, you know, that really is the classic kind of finding. And so... You know, you can almost predict it when you see sometimes these kids go down. Well, Ben, when Dr. Ben, when you spend time with an athlete that, that has had this happen, the ACL injury, uh, kind of walk us through your communication and then just the, the work you do do and uh, the getting the kid fixed up or the, the, the weekend warrior fixed up and then getting them back to doing what they love. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a new term that probably a lot of people have heard is kind of this prehab phase where even before you have surgery, um, like I had said, athletes, their knee will swell up. And so you really work at getting that range of motion back before you actually undergo the surgery. So it's important to work with a therapist, kind of work on the quad strengthening um, before you actually have the surgery, because that's the first thing that's going to go once you um, do have the surgery. So if you can kind of I want to say maintain it prior to going into the operating room. That's very beneficial for the rehab afterwards. And so, you know, when you actually fix it, you know, there's a few different ways and different types of grafts that you can use to actually reconstruct the ACL. Um, but then even after that, you know, the biggest um, kind of, I don't want to say obstacle, but, you know, is the rehab process. And so it's just, it's imperative that you kind of give that, process a healing letting the graft heal that they reconstruct with but also at the same time kind of working on your range of motion over time and then really working on strengthening and it really is a stepwise approach as you go forward um you know ultimately getting to the you know that goal of you know at the five to six month process where you're getting back into the sport that you normally play are you surprised that that window is shrunk i mean because guy'd blow his knee and it's we'll see in a year maybe right and you're not right. you're not yeah. ever the same now guys and gals are coming back five to six months and they're <laughs> better than ever in some cases yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's helped, you know, as technology has progressed in the way that a lot of surgeons have trained, you know, these are done in a minimally invasive matter. Um, you know, this is done traditionally through the scope and even the way that you actually get or harvest the graft that the that you use for the reconstruction, you know, the incisions are getting smaller than what they were in the past. You know, I've seen patients that had had this done 30, 40 years ago and you know, they have a incision all the way down the front of the knee like people that have knee replacements and you know if you think about it just going through that much tissue you know when you have the bigger incisions just that in itself takes time to recover from so as we've gotten more advanced with our surgical techniques you know it's really kind of lessened somewhat the the recovery time to some extent you still have to wait for healing Mm -hmm. and you know the rehab kind of to take into effect but it's certainly not you know a a two-year recovery process dr ben woodhead's with us lincoln orthopedic center a jock doc wednesday we're talking acl injury have you seen athletes actually let me rephrase why do you see see athletes 
that come back as explosive or more so. And I know he had more than an ACL, but the guy that comes to my mind is Adrian Peterson. I mean, the guy had a blown out knee, comes back and <laughs> grinds for two grand. I mean, he didn't look like right. he missed a step. I mean, that that's like the uh, case of all cases, but I'm, I'm still wowed by that. Right. You know, and it's, you know, to some degree, it's probably a testament to, to AP and how well he rehabbed. And, you know, he probably had a goal in mind to come back stronger than ever. And so, you know, guys like that, those guys, as we've talked in the past, those guys are thoroughbreds. And, you know, you give them a task to try and overcome, they're going to overcome it and they're going to go a little bit beyond that. And so, you know, whether he's actually coming back 110 or 120% because of the reconstruction, um, I mean, some of those athletes, they just, I think they have it set in their mind that they're going to come back better and never, mm-hmm. and they absolutely do. Dr. Ben, uh, last thought here, about 30 seconds. Is this just a difficult surgery to go through, or because of the technology and the training, it's it's really, I don't want to say easy, but it, it's it's not as, as stressful as maybe it could be? Uh, that's probably true, and I think that's the reason, you know, you go through all these years of training. You get to the point where hopefully... You know, this is just like clockwork, mm-hmm. and you do so many of these that um, you're kind of running on autopilot. So, you know, after you do, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these, you know, they do get certainly easier. And the, the technology and the instruments that we have nowadays certainly make that easier as well. And so that's certainly something that plays into it. Dr. Ben Woodhead, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben, thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Chris. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery tomorrow. Phil Steele going to be with his college football guru. Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel. We haven't formally asked Vogues yet, but we'll do that. Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, and then you two yahoos, mustache and all, are going to be rocking Friday as I'm at State Baseball for the Monkey. Uh, do you think, I wonder if Damon's, he probably doesn't have a stash going, but I wonder if No, he, he can, does not. I wonder if he can get one going by Friday. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe he'll have to go with a permanent marker type look. Uh, just get a glue on one. Maybe I could bring that in, like a little. We, we could both be rocking the mustache really for weird. a show on Friday. Uh, reminder not to drink and drive, Elijah. Uh, one out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver, drunk driving, buzz driving, or high driving. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working around the clock with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols. As a driver, make the correct choice of a non-alcoholic drink. Have a pre-selected designated driver. Be smart. Start the conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So aside from looking in the mirror at your mustache, what are you doing tonight? Got to figure out what I'm going to do for dinner. I think I might go over to my dad's house and raid his fridge. Um, that's always a good option. How often does that happen? More during the during the school semester, or like whenever the year's going on, because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times where I'll just stop over there. He's pretty close to campus, so I so can it's just... it's not like rib night or oh, dad's doing pot roast. So that, that's the weekend. Sometimes on the on a Saturday night, my dad goes, "Hey, I'm making whatever tonight. You should come over." And I'm like, "Ah, okay, I'll I'll take that free meal." 
And then there's he he makes too much because he's so used to hmm? to having two growing boys that he was cooking for. Now we're both moved out, yep. so now he makes too much food and he goes, "Hey, this is going to be sitting in my house all week." Well, the the stew slash pot roast call is never bad. Oh, dude, that was one of my favorite meals growing up. We've only did done it a couple of times where Junior'd have hoops all day, so we'd throw it. My mom, there's a freezer we have in our garage and my mother will just put together phenomenal frozen dishes where you throw it in the crock pot you hit on and you come home and the house smells phenomenal but no the pot roast call it's it's cooler out or at least it it was earlier so not quite you know 80 percent humidity 97 degrees that's coming this weekend but man uh I'm trying to figure that out, too. Junior wants nothing food-wise. He's so freaking tired from detasseling that (laughs) he doesn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want me to bring anything home. He doesn't want me to grill him anything. I'm kind of sad. Yeah, I was coming home from the uh, the gym today uh, with my roommate, and he detasseled back. How many other dudes looked like you in the gym with a mustache? Zero. Shocking. But also none look like me with these guns, though. Uh-huh. Uh. That's all I need is you to roll up in a spaghetti strap tank top with the mustache and spandex. I don't know if that's the look for me. Yeah. <laughs> You've already got the mustache going. <laughs> uh, I don't Try know. getting someone to help spot you. Well, now that I got this, the, gym. the mustache, I think maybe a gold chain. Hey, hey you spot me? Huh? <laughs> Everyone starts walking away quickly. Here's the thing, though. You can probably still throw up pretty good weight, can't you? Decent, actually. I was. I'm, I always surprise myself when I get back in the weight room. Did you I, hit 350 ever? On what? On bench. On bench? No. Really? I got up close to 300. Well, close I mean, to 300. You got long arms. That's where I'm going to go. For tomorrow, Elijah, take a, a preserve that mustache. See ya.